Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Dumb Bitch Show uh, with your hosts, me, I'm Ollie, and I'm a dumb bitch, and that's Lawrence. What's poppin', Ollie? And what's poppin', listeners? Exactly, and if that ain't a dumb bitch way to open the show, I don't know what is. Um, only I joking. My, I took my nice pint of dumb bitch juice this morning. I put it all glug, in glug, the glug. blender. I'm drinking it right now. Still, I surrender. Mm. Hey, like a chump. Hey, like a chump. Hey. <laughs> uh, but uh, but seriously, folks, you know what time it is. It's junior fun is time. Uh, you're back with your boys, the fun boys. And um, yeah, we're here to talk about Arsenal and that, uh, which, it, well, I mean, there's... There's a lot to talk about, um, not just necessarily from an Arsenal point of view, but we we are coming off the back of a very packed weekend of uh, of, of Premiership action. So let's try and cover at least some of it. Um, we'll kick things off, to use a footballing term, with our first segment, Arsenal News. And um, so just to get it out of the way, <laughs> I mean, we, I believe we said in our last episode, we weren't really expecting anything out of the uh, the Liverpool game. No, no, but. Um, and. Nothing really does, nothing really to say. I mean, what, what, it's Liverpool. I mean, uh, top, top, one of the top two or three teams in the, in the country right now, you know. Uh, yeah, they're in, you know, the goal-scoring form that they're in. I mean, we always, our track record in the last few seasons at Anfield, um, they pretty much always win by at least four goals when, when we play them. Um, and they've, I mean, they've been winning a lot of their matches by at least four goals so far this season. Um, but yeah, we we had about half an hour where, where we looked pretty good. Aaron Ramsdale made some very good saves. Um and then there were some handbags on the touchline between Klopp and Arteta, uh, which seemed to kind of spark the game into life a little bit. Yeah, kind of um, been a weird uh, week for uh, fights that uh, spark a team into life. Because uh, uh, I, I know this is yeah. a football show, but uh, just a sidetrack over the international break, I was catching up on basketball, you know, because you know, I followed I, yeah, people who I like. Uh, uh, Someone who's a Lakers fan, I mean, that's kind of like, oh, the easiest team to, you know, to be a fan of the Lakers. Mm. But, um, well, yeah, they, they, uh, were losing against Detroit Pistons just last night or whatever. And, um, one of the Detroit players got into a fight with LeBron James and they both got, I think they both got ejected mm. from the game. And that somehow spurred on Anthony Davis <laughs> and the likes to just start playing. Even, I, I didn't even realize Carmelo Anthony. Who remembers Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, 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 he's been, you know. <laughs> Who indeed? He he came up at the same time as LeBron James when they both entered the NBA at the same time, but he was always kind he of He is like, actually, yeah, to be fair, he is one of the few basketball players I, I've heard the name of before, so he's, yeah. He's kind of like the, um, you know, second, uh, what's the word, second fiddle or whatever to LeBron James. He was sort of like... Second fiddle, second yeah. banana. 
Um, but they're, they're on the same team, and it's like, but they've been around for like nearly 20 years, and it's, it's kind of like old guys now. But anyway, but um, yeah, as I was saying, this is yeah, it's been a weird week for um, fights that spur a team on to win, but it didn't work out for Arsenal because uh, Liverpool just really took it to us, yeah, pressed us. And it didn't help. Yeah, I mean, the fight itself was sort of a bit of a weird one because it wasn't really over anything significant. Like yeah. Arteta was acting as though Mane had deliberately elbowed uh, Tomiyasu, which, I mean, the replays don't seem to indicate that there was anything any anything like that going on. But I don't know. Yeah, Arteta was sort of in, um, it's like he was in stag, uh, uh, stag night mode. You know, he just wanted yeah. to... He just wanted a reason to get all riled up and, and in Klopp's face. Don't know whether that's, that that proved to be the catalyst. That was the maybe the Everton side of him coming out a bit. Maybe uh, probably yeah. A bit of a bit of the rivalry there still. He never really goes away. Yeah, yeah, that residual Evertonian that's in his in his blood. Um, yeah, I suppose because he probably looking back on it, he would have played for Everton longer than he played for Arsenal, wouldn't he? So yeah, it yeah. makes sense. That he'd be up for a, you know, up for a, up for a, a scrap um, playing against Liverpool, um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, we had about half an hour of uh, of sort of fairly decent defensive play, but ultimately it was you know just sort of individual errors that Liverpool pounced on and, and punished us. I mean, the first goal came from a free kick that Abamyang gave away when he didn't have to. It was sort of typical centre forwards tackle, just sort of. You know, scythe, scythe down Fabinho with two legs just over the halfway line. No reason to make that foul there uh, on on the pitch at that moment, but he did. And then Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously from the free kick, played a brilliant ball in to Mane to uh, to head into into the goal. Um, so yeah, one nil at half time. It was sort of you know maybe that we could still scrap something from the match, but. Again, individual errors cost us. I think Nuno uh, Tavares uh, has learned some very harsh lessons as a result of that match. Um, he seemed a bit a bit nervy. Uh, gave away the ball quite a lot in the second half. Um, so I think he's yeah he's he's sort of uh, hopefully learned a lot from that game because uh, that second goal was very very sloppy from from him. Just a very sort of lackadaisical pass uh, from. <laughs> from the wing onto the center of the pitch and then it just straight at uh it was Jota wasn't it the second goal that he, he just yeah. passed it to yeah it did kind of feel like at times from what I saw on the highlights because I'm poor and I don't have Sky and I have to watch match of the day um the uh the highlights it seemed, it seemed like we kind of played into Liverpool's um pressing a bit it was playing a bit too like the obvious pass so that there was it was easy for them to kind of nick it off us all the time and like yeah although i don't for a team like arsenal i don't know what else you can do because just because yeah, liverpool's than, pressing game is so strong yeah the way that they the way that they press all of their like fitness levels and everything because they don't drop that intensity throughout the entire match and man city do it as well um, I just, yeah, I just I don't know how you play against that. It, it's just it's mm. it's impossible for a, for a team like us anyway. You just hit it in the um, corner. That's what you proper English. You just hit it into the corner, mate. Yeah, proper Allardyce technique. Yeah, just hit it into the into the corner flag. 
time waste, um, long throw, you know, try and hope for a long throw. Pulis ball. Yeah, kick lumps out of their out of their quickest player, which is all of them. But uh, I was going to say, even, which for Liverpool is is literally all of them. I think even Van Dyke, I can't remember his top speed, but he was like count came up as like one of the fastest players. I don't know whether in the league or in this something like that. I heard like Van Dyke. Yeah, I mean, he every now and then you see him, you know, get forward, and it, yeah, he just. I mean, it's, I I guess it's just. Being as tall as he is, and his, he's he's got like insanely long legs. He's like Mister Tall from Mister Men. You know, his legs are just so. One regular stride for him is, you know, is a is a giant a giant leap for a regular sized man. I believe is the expression uh, that the the Moon guy said. Um, but yeah, they Liverpool continued to press us and force us into mistakes, and you know. As we've said before, we're a very young side, um, you know, that are maybe more susceptible to making those sorts of mistakes than a, a more experienced team would be. Yeah. But it's not, it, it doesn't feel all doom and gloom after it. I, I think yeah. it, it, we sort of alluded to it last week, like losing to Liverpool is not really a, a big deal because we're not expecting anything against them, especially at Anfield. Um, yeah. It's, I think this weekend sort of cemented for me. I think this this season you you sort of we've seen it happening uh sort of overall anyway, but this weekend sort of cemented for me that the idea of the so-called top 6 or the so-called big 6 uh is over. There is there is no longer a big 6. It's mm. there's a big 3. Yeah. You've got Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea and then there's sort of Beneath them, it's all up there's for grabs. sort of about eight teams. Yeah, there's about eight teams that are all competing for the rest of those places in Europe. So you've got there's there's us, there's Man United, there's Spurs, West Ham, Everton, Leicester, uh, probably Wolves, um, Newcastle. In a couple of seasons' time, are probably going to be in in the mix in that group. Um, yeah, and then. Outside of that, outside of that sort of mid mids uh, group, you've got the relegation battle. Everyone that's not in that, <laughs> everyone that's not in sort of that mids uh, kind of sector, is is fighting to to stay in the league. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, there's harsh reality for some this weekend, which uh, we'll maybe we'll get into a bit later. But uh, it was it was uh, well. Bittersweet, maybe, because it was hilarious. But then, ah, oh, the party's over because, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, <laughs> we're getting yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a, in a minute. But um, but yeah, the, so that yeah, the 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 game the game at at this level has changed so much over the last twenty years in terms of the yeah. money being kind of flooded into it. Uh, I mean, even like even like Villa. You know, are a, a, I mean, they're an incredibly wealthy club, and they, you know, quote unquote, they are a a, a big club, but they've still, they, they you'd still sort of consider them outsiders to that mid sector that I was just talking about. But yeah, the the amount of teams now with just insane amounts of wealth behind them um, means that it's yeah, there's, at the very top, it's become that much more competitive um, and. It's that much more difficult to sign top top players. You got to have the money to do it, and you got to have the manager 
to get performances out of those top top players. You know, you got to get. You can't just keep buying. I mean, you know, we've seen it with PSG and we've seen it more recently with Manchester United um, that you can't just buy like individual superstars and expect them to to play, you know, week in, week out on the pitch and deliver performances. You actually need a manager with a system and a philosophy to imprint on the club. And not just that, you need the players to buy into it because if they don't do that, then then you're fucked. It doesn't matter how, how much of a reputation the manager has or anything like that. It's he's got to sell it to the players. Um, so yeah, yeah. Top six, bit the big six is, is over. Uh, all hail the big three, um, of which Arsenal are comfortably not one of them yet, yeah. but you know, we're up there for the moment. We're we got, uh, yeah, we got, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, the other results kind of went our way this weekend and we're still looking pretty good in the table. Compared to, especially compared to where we were earlier in the season and how we started the season, yeah. relegation so, contenders. Yeah, yeah, we. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, and then um, I suppose the only other sort of Arsenal news is that I we we didn't mention it well at the international break. Um, our boys did us proud. Mm, yeah, you know, Emil Smith Rowe on his full his full debut scored and scored a goal and. Set another one up in the uh, the 10, 10 nil win against yeah. San Marino. History um, made. I mean, yeah, I mean those sorts of games against teams like San Marino and like Andorra is another one. You know, like these these tiny tiny countries that kind of have to play in these qualifier matches for the World Cup. I can see the argument. You know, a lot of people a lot of people say that it's sort of you know it doesn't really serve a purpose. You know, these countries have such small populations that they don't even have professional football leagues. Their national teams are just made up of like, you know, just guys that work in offices or, you know, (laughs) work on farms and shit. Farmers league. Um, But it, but, you know, like, yeah, maybe there should, maybe there should be sort of like a sub competition for those smaller countries to compete against each other. And then they can, they can then qualify from that to the qualifiers, if that makes sense. You know, they can they can improve by playing against each other because they're at a similar level. Because they're mm. not going to improve by playing against, you know, like England, even though, yeah. you know, they're playing against vastly superior opposition. They're not actually going to be able to implement anything they learn from those matches. Um, so if they play against, you know, sort of similar teams at, at, at a similar level, uh, and then, you know, the best of that lot can then qualify for the World Cup qualifiers. And then if they get through that, then, that you know, then they sort of, that's the big time. That's the big prize. They actually qualify for the World Cup. Whatever happens after that is just gravy. Um, I can see that argument. You know, I, I understand it. But I think what people fail to realize is that it, it is also very funny to just watch teams getting <laughs> murdered in like yeah. into double figures. I, I think like that's something we can't overlook. Just the fact that it is incredibly funny to watch a team lose 10 0. It's like. I mean, this is like the opposite of something like a film. Um, what's the one with Ricky Tomlinson as England manager? Mike Bassett, England manager. You sort of like, oh, build, Mike Bassett, yeah. yeah. You build it, you build it up there. The the uh, you know underdogs. We can win this, lads. And in the final, you just get fresh ten nil. I mean, that's what that's how it should end. And that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But um, I wonder if that film holds up because I remember I, loving it as a kid. I, I feel watched, like there's no way that it's it's any good. Yeah, I watched it a while ago, and it's kind of mm, hit and miss. Maybe um, it doesn't make sense that his assistant manager would be like a a used car dealer. Yeah, he, he'd probably be at a club somewhere. But anyway, it's a movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And, um, I remember watching. Yeah, I remember they, were, they made a TV show out of it, which which was dog shit. Yeah, they, yeah that they, was really bad. Um, but but um, yeah, the movie. I, I yeah, I haven't watched since I was I don't know, maybe twelve or thirteen. Um, yeah, so I yeah, but yeah, Emil Smith Rowe, well done. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale kept clean sheet on his England debut. Um, even you know, I mean, it was against San Marino, but hey, you know, it still counts. Um, so yeah, that's that's about all the Arsenal news, and I think we we got Newcastle's the next yeah. match. Eddie Howe's Newcastle. Uh, mm. I'm just which looking. I'm up. Is that are we home or away for that one? Which I'm a little bit, um, you know, ooh, you know, with with a new manager Eddie Howe, very attacking football. Uh, that could be. Uh, I hope that's not another goal fest. You know, like against. Um, because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned. That they're like, oh, God, are they going to score, like, four goals? You know, this is where, like, somehow Eddie Howe unlocks the... Uh... Well, that's that's how that's how those matches always used to go, wasn't it? Whenever we play Newcastle, it always was, like, 4-3 or, th- like, you know, th- like a late 3-2 win or something. I feel like back in the... Yeah. Back in the quote unquote good old days of Newcastle, back when they were sort, you know, they were the they were, you know, they were sort of just about competing for Europe, and they were getting into, you know, the the Keegan era and the Bobby Robson era, you know. Um, but yeah, Eddie Howe does seem to have sort of he uh, seems to be adopting. I mean, based on this first match that you know that they, they played against Brentford this weekend, where it was three all. Um, he seems to have adopted the same sort of tactics that he did when Bournemouth first got promoted to the premiership which is just to attack and try and outscore the opposition knowing that their defense isn't particularly good and knowing that the fans are, <laughs> are you know were sick of Steve Bruce's sort of conservative approach because I mean which to be fair to them I mean you know he sort of tried to play conservatively um and it didn't fucking do any good you know so they might as well rather than sort of drawing games one all or nil nil or losing games they might as well go out and end up drawing them three all at least that's more entertaining for everybody. Um, but I would say that, I mean, Newcastle's record away to us, you know, because it is, it is at the Emirates, um, our, our record at home against Newcastle and at home against Eddie Howe, teams managed by Eddie Howe, um, is pretty solid. Um, so I would, I would say, I mean, it, yeah, it might, it might be, a, you know, an open game with, uh, with a lot of goals. It could be that, you know, this is... <laughs> This is the, the the game that sort of unlocks all of our our hard defensive work and all the organisation we've put in recently. But I, I I would say we we should come away uh, from that match with with something fairly comfortably. And then after that, we got um, let's have a look because the next game after that United, is is a big it? one, isn't it? It's the it's against- yes. I'm just trying to see which day of the week that is. I think it's. Thursday the second of December. So yeah, we're into we're getting into that part of the year now where we're pretty much playing two two matches a week uh, a week every week until January um, mm. now. So 
hopefully we come through it without many injuries. Yes, um, that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we say in Arsenal, hopefully, we're, I mean, it's very likely that we someone is going to get injured, and it's going to be probably someone like Saka or Smith Rowe. Yeah. Well, I need to. Where's me? I need to do me three knock on the wood three times because I, I do that every day, and I, yeah. I have my I have my Not rituals. Man, I have to pray, pray to God, and just please don't let them get injured, God, please. Um. Don't take my boy. Hopefully, hopefully, God has has him has 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 special place for them both. Uh, just 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 to look after him as he's force yeah. field around him. Just this impenetrable. Well, they're, force yeah, they're, they're his perfect. They're his perfect children. So yeah, he should have a he he should have sort of a, a vested interest in keeping them safe. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I would imagine if if anyone's going to get you know seriously injured and going to be out for the rest of the season, it's going to be Thomas Partey, isn't it? Because he's yeah. He sort of struggled with injury up to this point, so it wouldn't surprise me if he does like his ACL or something over this period. He's, he's from what I saw match of the day, he's getting slightly better at his um, aiming when he shoots from outside the box. He's not just skying it now. Yeah, his wild shots from outside the box. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't just blast them over the bar anymore. They actually he's actually getting them on target, which um, which is nice to see. Yeah, just just keep pounding away. But he's he's actually. I'm quite surprised. Was it? Um, it was it. It was. Uh, who did we beat for? Was it Aston Villa? Yeah, he got it good from uh, corners. Yeah, got good good jumping. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Set pieces in general, we've improved upon. I mean, it, particularly in the the Wenger era. I mean, Wenger really didn't give much of a shit at all about set pieces. But we've actually, for the first time in living memory, we're actually making the most of set pieces and we're, we're looking pretty handy from them, you know? So that's, that's very encouraging. Yes. Um, how, what else? Um, yeah. Should we get into, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the funnies, the Man United bit that we always do on the show. Let's <laughs> get your bingo well, I mean, cards. It, it was, it, it, I mean, it was, it was an, it it was yeah. I mean, it was I before we sort of you know get into the usual Man United bashing. I mean, it was it was a crazy weekend. I mean, there was just so much stuff going on in in the league. We didn't really talk about uh, in the last episode about how many new managers have been appointed. Oh, yeah. So we got you know the, there was three three managers making their debut. We talked about Eddie Howe. Hard luck. I mean, I feel bad for him that he had to he had to miss that match because he got COVID. Um, hopefully he'll he'll be all right and he's able to to travel down to the Emirates um, for the the next match. But um, you know that was a very entertaining match. You know three all against Brentford. Um, Dean Smith, you know, just I mean he seems to uh, he he's going to be one of those managers that will just take any job that's going. From what it seems like, I mean he he got sacked by Villa and I think eight days later he'd taken the Norwich job. Even I mean, he wasn't even their first choice, was he? It was it was Lampard they were going after originally. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't he couldn't wait to to get in there. Um, and they you know they they won two one against uh, Southampton with kind of two I would say fairly fortunate goals. They the, the, they managed to beat the goalkeeper at his near post twice, which uh, if I was a Southampton fan, I'd be quite annoyed about. Um, and then the other debut is, is Stevie G. Um, Stevie G. You know he's uh, yeah, taken over at, at, at Villa. Um, yeah, of course. 
and of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it's a, a brilliant, uh, yeah, compilation video of him. Uh, listeners, if you haven't seen it, of uh, just a bunch of interviews, you know, sort of post match interviews that he's done where he just starts every answer with, yeah, of course. Um, it's uh, yeah, amazing how often he he, he says that, but um, yeah, Villa got yeah two late goals against uh, Brighton. Um, I I think it, it I mean it's I would say it's smart of Gerard to have taken that job to be honest. He could have because he could have taken any number of shitty clubs in the Premiership any time he wanted to. Um, mm. but Villa is I mean they've they've got a good squad. They got a lot of good players. I mean they they there is obviously. They're going through a bit of a period of adjustment because they're having to learn how to play without Jack Grealish because of everything that he offered them. Post Grealish so era, a bit of a Grealish hole. Exactly, um, there is a bit of a Grealish hole, kind of you know, in in the middle of the team there. But I mean, they they got they got a lot of good players in that squad, um, a lot of good attacking players, and I think yeah, he, he could he could do quite well there, um, and his his. Uh, so obviously the vacant job at Rangers that's been left by him is no longer vacant. It's being filled by former Arsenal legend Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Yeah. Well, how long was he at the club for? Was it? Wasn't that sort of? Um... It wasn't very long. No. But I think he was. He was an invincible. I believe. I believe he was there mm. for the Invincibles uh, season. I remember his um, his goal, the World Cup. That was the. Uh, 2010 World Cup, where that ball was basically, you know, just if you if you knuckle it enough, it just always dips and swirls everywhere, and it go in the goal. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh he, yeah, he took a shot from like way out on the on the left wing, and just sort of in right in the top corner, I think. Yeah, it's a good goal. Yeah, but, uh, it was the, mostly the ball. He just hit He's it right. Yeah. <laughs> you hit that ball right. You're probably gonna score from like your own, you know, your own, your own, the goalie could have scored probably. I remember, yeah, a lot of a lot of goalkeepers complained about that ball because of the way it was designed, and it was just like, yeah, like the aerodynamics of it and everything. It just meant that it was, yeah, just constantly dipping and swerving. If you smash it from far enough out, like it will probably go in. Yeah, um, but uh, in many ways, aside from the. Uh, the Vuvuzelas. I mean, it was it was one or two moments. Like, like Diego Forlan, I think he had a good. Anyway, going down memory lane. Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, the twenty ten World Cup. I actually, I I can't remember. Apart from <laughs> apart from the England games. Apart from the, the England games. World Cup. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Where Rooney decided to wax his chest for some reason. He had to. He had to wax his entire body. It was like. A, <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but. It's for aerodynamic purposes. Makes him go faster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't. He can't. You know, he can't put speed holes in his in his back. So he has to. Yeah, he has to wax all the hair off his body like a swimmer. <laughs> but um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, Aston Vanilla. Yeah, do you remember that joke? Who remembers that joke? Aston. Yeah. Vanilla. So Villa. Uh, um, is that a joke? Anyway, uh, um. <laughs> And then again, another former Arsenal player that's gone into management, uh, Patrick Vieira, doing, a, uh, it has to be said, a very good job with Crystal Palace. Um, and they were unlucky to only draw with Burnley. I mean, I can't believe that a <laughs> Burnley playing at home to Crystal Palace being an absolute like end-to-end goal fest just seems like 
one of the signs of the apocalypse. Like I can't, like that is just ridiculous that that happened. But um, yeah, that looked to be from what I saw in match of the day. That looked to be a very entertaining match. Crazy that he's managed to get Benteke scoring regularly again. Um, kind of, I guess it it was just one of Roy Hodgson's tactics. I guess to just not utilize him as an attacker whatsoever. He was basically just there to be like hold up another centre half for whenever they had to defend set pieces. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's the thing with Vieira. He's not like he's totally inexperienced. I mean, he was at, he's been at a couple of French clubs and mm. he was at MLS in New York City for a bit. And so he's, he's been around. Yeah. I just. He's learning the craft. Yeah. He's putting um, the work in. I'm not sure. I, the only thing I'll say about Pesci Vieira, I always thought his punditry was kind of very basic, but other than that, sort of the very sort of basic kind of punditry lines. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's doing quite across the past he's brought in that Conor Gallagher from on loan from Chelsea looks pretty good midfielder you know very sort of um, yeah Conor Gallagher looks very promising yeah from an England point of view especially um, and uh, um, Edouard from um, got him from Celtic that was another potential Arsenal target once uh, yeah he's doing quite well and um, yeah yeah it's good luck to you uh, Patrick I hope, hope you do but don't oh, know, that- let us uh, get a result and uh, you know let's just uh, yeah sort us out mate sort us out mate come on man <laughs> do us a favour man mm. <laughs> also I mean I, in that in that match as well the um, against the Palace Burnley match um, that Maxwell Cornet looks yeah like I Baller, did Burnley sign him by mistake yeah did I'm it, yeah, did, I feel did, like he he's just <laughs> Is he the first good player that Burnley have ever signed? Yeah, I think he's way above. He's levels. I mean, levels. And I say it as a joke, but levels, bruv. You, he's streets he, ahead. He's levels. Levels. He's, he's playing for Leon in Champions League, and all of a sudden he's at Burnley. I don't, I, either his agent is uh, wasn't wasn't reading the the uh, the contract properly. I d- yeah, maybe his agent's got some kind of gambling debt that needed to be paid so, off or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that is... Yeah. <laughs> that was what? apparently the reason that... Um, what's his name? Anatovic uh, left West Ham to go play in China was because his his brother was his agent and he racked up a, like, a bunch of gambling debt. Hmm. So his brother basically engineered the move to that Chinese club away from West Ham, even though he was, even though he was, you know, having a, a pretty good. Well, he had one or like half a good season at West Ham, and then suddenly he was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm going to go play in China for the money." It was pretty much just because his brother had racked up like tens of thousands of pounds of gambling there. Allegedly, I should say, this is all Allegedly, hearsay and rumor. Um, but uh, yes, exactly. But now he's at. Um, um, but yeah, that Maxwell Corne. I mean, if if. Yeah. If Corne keeps playing the way he's playing, I mean, I can't, why the fuck would he stay at Burnley? No, he's um, as I say, I, I, I it always feels like imagine oh, a, a player of that quality having to listen, having to listen to and take orders from Sean Dyche. It's yeah. it's embarrassing. It's it's humiliating. Look on it, look like on it. Ah, uh, uh, you got to play a yeah. defensive role. Doesn't it go forward? Get get back at the. Maxwell, Maxwell Cornetto, he's been not, not a typical signing for us. He's a little too ethnic for my liking, if you know what I mean. Uh, oh, can't say that these days, can you? I'll, I'll the only cancelled by the woke mob. The only time I've seen a Cornet is when the ice cream van's gone down my road. Mm. In the middle of when? In yeah. the middle of November, there's an ice cream van going around. 
Why why does your Sean Dye sound like Les Dennis? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I, when I try to do grizzled Northern voice, I, it ends up sounding like Les Toss. <laughs> it's, it, it, he's not. I don't think he's. Sean Dyche isn't Northern. He's like. Is he's from like the Midlands, I think. Oh, so well, it's, you know. Yeah. That, that, he's not. that Although speaking that, of Speaking of fake. It kind of blurs. For I, me. Yeah, I know for you because you're a soft southern. I can't tell. You're a you're a soft southerner. <laughs> everyone everyone sounds northern to you, don't they? It's like, don't it pit? Uh, what does that? Oh, I have to you're, Google that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A up mother. A up whippets int bath. A up me. Where's to call? I watch Peter K. I watch with the subtitles on. Yeah. Garlic bread. And if, if, yeah, if you watch anything that's Scottish, you just can't you, it's, it, turn yeah, it off. Dog, Forget yeah. it. There's no way. But, but, but that's what's weird. I have, I have um, Yorkshire blood in me, you know, me, half me, my, my mother's side is from Yorkshire, you know. It's, mm. it's not like I have no connection. I mean, you can to tell it, you've got I've that kind been. of hearty coal yeah. miner uh, vibe. Yeah, I'm such a grizzled <laughs> man. I'm so grizzled. I'm such a. Tell, yeah, but speaking of speaking of people that pretend to be northern, um, that does lead us quite perfectly into uh, into (laughs) Man United and Mark Goldbridge. (laughs) Oh, oh, Um, (laughs) because I have noticed whenever whenever one of his videos or a clip of him does pop up on the the timeline now on Twitter, I don't know if you've noticed this as well. I think maybe maybe I'm noticing it now because I don't I don't follow him, so I don't see clips of him on my timeline as often as I used to you know it's a, it's a much rarer occurrence is he he's he's started doing an accent isn't he like he's 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 pretending to have like a Manchester twang to his voice because that definitely wasn't there before you watch like video yeah. clips of him now compared to like a couple of years ago when we first started doing this podcast and started talking about him he's definitely trying to sound more mank <laughs> Probably, I. I, <laughs> well, I hope so. that 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 sounds really hilarious. If that's true, but um, what I found weird is that he is sort of adopting. I'm more almost twi- certain that it is. He's 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 adopting the uh, the uh, Twitter footballer <laughs> lingo. He's saying he's saying takes. He says takes a lot, and he says uh, you're sleeping on such and such. You're sleeping on this. It's like. <laughs> It's it's, it's 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 he's molded that into his into his um lexicon. I'm trying to use big big brain word there. Um, yeah, that's very um. Uh, that's that's horrendous. If he's if he started using words and phrases, I mean, I do like it, that, I do it on ugh. Twitter as a joke. I do it because I think it's funny. Because well, yeah, that's the the only way to <laughs> to use words like that is to make fun of them. But yeah, it, like. <laughs> If he's sincerely talking about it, yeah. Ollie's been sleeping on Van der Beek for two seasons now. Literally. That's the sort of thing he will say. The Glazers are sleeping on Ollie. Yeah. Uh, they should, uh, yeah, that's that's a good example. I'll, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you that sentence. That, like I said, this to, to my ears anyway. So we'll do like, so like 2019 Mark Goldbridge would be all like, Ollie is sleeping on Van der Beek. And 2021 Goldbridge is like, Ollie's sleeping on Van der Beek. He's trying to sound more northern. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. 
It's twisting me melon, man. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, I can't. I, I can't. What's what's no? Somebody what's should call the cops on like the Glazers because they're robbing a living. Let the thick see the table, Paddy McGuinness. Dink, dank, do. <sighs> yeah. Let the hack see the cash. I'm Paddy McGuinness. That's uh, gonna love it. But man. yeah, so Man United, um, yeah, Man United finally uh, have uh, have have uh, flushed uh, flushed Ollie down the toilet once and for all, uh, following a hilarious four-one uh, uh, defeat to Watford. Um, I don't. Th- I mean, I. I honestly, I expected them to struggle in that match, but I did think they'd get something out of it because, as we talked about before, the pattern that Ollie goes in is that you know he he sort of lets it go right to the wire, and then he gets a big result when it matters, and then that sort of saves him for you know a couple of months, and then they they usually go on a bit of a run after that. You know they'll they'll get like a few good results strung together. Um. So I thought, you know, maybe they'll get like a, you know, like a late two-one win or something. You know, they get like a scrappy two-one win, or they'll, you know, be lucky, unlucky, and get a draw or something. But to to lose in the manner that they did against Watford was just, um, I mean, it was beautiful, hilarious. It, it was <laughs> as an Arsenal epic. fan, it had everything that you could possibly want. Simply epic bacon from uh, Man United. Banter FC for the win. Epic for the win, as the kids say. Um, yeah, it was elite skills from Bruno to um, from the throw-in to boot the ball uh, <laughs> into his own um, it was, it's, penalty area, which um, Tomine then fouls. Just completely. He, he just and it gives away a pen. Yeah, he just completely fucked McTominay. He just absolutely was like. Fuck you, McTominay. Fuck you. Deal with it. Just completely fucked him over. He just booted it, like, yeah, just aimlessly booted the ball back into his own penalty area from a throw-in that was sort of just a, like, in Man, like it, it was in Man United's half, but kind of towards the halfway line. Just booted it over his head, back into the penalty area, which then put McTominay under so much pressure that he just ended up giving a penalty away by doing a stupid foul. Um... Which sort of feeds into my, excuse me, can't edit that out, got to leave that in. That was truly disgusting. Um, but that, that sort of feeds into my theory that for, like Bruno uh, just truly hates defend, like defenders and defending. Like the, the idea of tracking back or helping out his defenders couldn't be uh, further beneath him. It is like defenders are yeah. lower than dogs. To Bruno Fernandez. It's was so weird. I think on the um, well, not that I play Pez lately, but they would always on FIFA and Pez they would give him good defensive ratings. Like his defensive stats would be like seventy or in the sixties or seventies. I think like, that's really? I think that's racial profiling because he's Portuguese. I think that's that's yeah. a that's a that's that's a racial thing, and it's wrong. It's like when people assume that like Asian people are good at maths or whatever, you know, people just assume 
People just assume that because Bruno Fernandes is Portuguese that he's good at defending. And it's not true. He isn't. It not just it's not just that he's not good at it. He hates it. Every week yeah. of match of the day, they highlight the fact that he's just so far up the pitch, like just with no interest in tracking back or helping the team. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing when you've got a uh, sort of a bit of a bit of a diva in your team, but where you've got not just him, but you've got Ronaldo as well, and um, who else? Literally half half your front line don't want to track back. I mean, well, De Gea's got an ego on him, isn't he? I mean, that's I think that's that's why he's ended up being sort of called back into being the number one. After all yeah. the last season, when it looked as though Henderson was going to be the number one and De Gea was going to sort of be like the cup keeper. Um, yeah, I think he's just thrown enough of a tantrum that he's ended up back in, in number one, even though he's clearly not up to it anymore. He's no, like just nowhere near as good as you. I mean, it, in his prime, I mean, there's I credit where it's due. He was probably the best in the league for at least a couple of seasons there, just as a yeah. shot stopper. I mean, some of the saves he managed to pull off were absolutely unreal. But he's he's way, way off that level now. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, there was all those rumours about him going to Real Madrid, and um, was it around twenty eighteen or so? But yeah, that seemed to be. I think that, like Mourinho kind of fucked him out of that, didn't he? Like he, yeah. he sort of, sort of kept. Like I think he sort of dangled it in front of him, but then ultimately was just like, "No, you're not. No, 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 you're not going." So, so listeners, I'm, I've looked at, um, find where all the uh, player stats for the FIFA games are at because I'm a football game, you know, know it all. I don't. So his defence awareness sixty nine, which is yeah, nice, but um, yeah, that's way <laughs> too high. Standing tackle seventy three, seventy three. Yeah, sliding tackle sixty five. What interception sixty six? What the what? what? This is just bias, just because he plays for Man United. That's Wait, like I, plus twenty is there points. A, is there another Bruno Fernandez? Yeah. Is there a is there a different Bruno Fernandez that they could be basing this on? Because it's yeah, like, it's like I said, I, it's almost become a joke. Like every week on Match of the Day, they pick him out and highlight. Like they do the thing where they draw the ring around him and kind of show that sort of grainy zoomed just in. Just in case you didn't know which one was not tracking back. <laughs> just case you didn't know which one was Bruno Fernandez, is the one with the with the biggest head, the biggest head. Uh, yeah, the I mean, we—I I feel like we called it. We we called it like maybe like early last season that he's basically he's the new uh, Alexis Sanchez. You know, he's, he's a player that had you know bags and bags of potential and un, like undeniably talented, but he's just such a moody fucker. Yeah, when he doesn't get his own way or when things aren't when things aren't you know going for him, he's just yeah, he's just like a petulant little baby. I think he sees himself at uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona at some point. Probably thinks, oh, you know, it's just just a stepping stone. Well, you know. Uh, I mean, surely. I mean, to be fair to um, eFootball listeners, you know, it's a bit of a disaster, this game, eFootball. However, they have rated his defensive rating of 53. So that's a bit more, still maybe a bit high. That's more like it. But uh, tackling 53, but um, yeah. So there's a bit more, uh, uh, <laughs> a bit more realistic. Him, like there. that weird fucked up face that they gave a bunch, of, like they gave all the other players, where they just got like the yeah, yeah. weird, t- like it's, it's it looks disaster. like that thing where you like if you hold a, a hair, <laughs> where you hold a hair dryer in front of your face and it sort of yeah. blows your cheeks out, but it makes your teeth 
Like, yeah, you look like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, they've really, I don't know what, who, who's done what, why even boast about having um, Unreal Engine? It's like, it looks like shit. It looks like shit. Um, disgrace. Yeah, it's cool how, like, uh, like video games now don't have to be good. Like, like video games coming out that look like shit um, is just, like, the norm now. Because you got that, the fucking uh, GTA remasters that have come out that everyone's yeah. complaining about because they're, I mean, they're, they're chock full of glitches. Like, there's, like, a, from what I understand, there's, like, a cyberpunk level of, of glitches that are in there. Yeah. Um, and then also, it's just, like, the actual, like, just visually. The way that they've sort of it is, you know handled like the animation and everything uh, looks like dog shit. It does. It it does look very rubbery. It's like it's very weird. But um, mm. I I have the uh, remaster did but they did for the PS3 a few years ago, which is it's, it's more or less just looks like the PS2 slightly just more cleaner looking. But um, yeah. yeah. But the yeah, PS5 for one, it it's like. Yeah, they've, it looks like they have kind of rushed it a little bit. I mean, you, there are certain things I think you, they've changed. Um, the map is when you're driving; it's no longer like a bird's eye straight. You know, thing is just angled, sort of three D. Well, yeah, and the and the um, shit like the like when it when it rains. Yeah, uh, the you know the the rain looks like it like it looks like fucking milk. You know, like the <laughs> the rain doesn't look like rain anymore. It's just like these just big white streaks that are falling from the sky. Yeah, um, but that, that was the uh, like oh, God's whacking one off. That was that was a funny thing, listeners. That was the thing when you remaster games is uh, the controls change and. Uh, I, I was playing my because I, uh, I got it for my birthday. You see, I got a uh, the re- PS for the PS3 version of San Andreas. And the oh, first yeah. mission. Also, yeah, I, happy bir- belated happy birthday to Lawrence. Oh, we, yes. didn't, we didn't mention <laughs> we it. We forgot last to episode. mention that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it was my birthday a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I got um, a San Andreas PS3. You finally version. turned twenty-one. Yeah, but, uh, and um, yeah, died first mission because I didn't realize that the controls because it used to be pedal used to be just press the X button. Place. just and they changed it to R two. They didn't tell yeah. me, so I died first mission. Oh, fuck's sake! But um, they uh, but you can You're never gonna get it. out of Grove Street. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, but yeah, you can change. You can change the controls and the options the, to original settings. But anyway, but uh, yeah, what we talk about? Oh yeah, Bruno Fernandez. Um, video games, Pez. Yeah, disgrace. Yeah, um, <laughs> Man United. I mean that that I like I said that that defeat to Watford's. I mean, Harry Maguire, again, you know, the, the fucking, during the international break when Harry Maguire scored oh, yeah. that goal against Albania, <laughs> then he, like, he celebrated by putting <laughs> his fingers in his ears and everyone was like, has Harry Maguire silenced Silence his critics? critics. And then it's- <laughs> they weren't even watching the game because it's like, only Albania. It's just like, yeah, like, but like that, like that then followed by his performance in the Watford match. Like not only, you know, defensively with Man United, once again, just fucking woeful. But to get sent off in the way that he did for you know a second yellow, like the, the that second yellow card that he got, just insane. Like I can't. It's insane that he's like an international standard player. Like the thought process behind just like you know he takes a bad touch of the ball and then it's just like oh, I better get it back. Whoopsie! Like it's fucking. He's on some Mr. Bean shit, he's- man. Like he's. He's in his bean era. He's a literal fridge. 
he is like a big walking fridge, that man. And it's just so like you put any sort of pacey player around him and he's buggered, you know, he can't he can't turn fast enough. It's it yeah, it's I mean to quote to quote our friend Mr. Goldbridge, he's an eighty million pound hat rack. <laughs> Although I feel like a, a hat rack would get sent off less. I, I don't think a hat rack would get as, as many red cards as, as Harry. It's, yeah. But um, it's a shame that it's, the party's over now with poor Ollie. I'll always, I'll always have the uh, memories. I'll always have the, uh, when he was, uh, the PSG game where he wore the bib. That was, that was pretty hilarious. Why, 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 why are you wearing a <sighs> yeah. bib? Yeah, so many great um, memories of just, you know, him or the, just sort of making bizarre claims in press conferences that, you know, uh, stuff that either didn't happen in matches or stuff that he's just, you know, hypothetical things, you know, or like when he got all like weirdly defensive about Mason Greenwood, even though nobody uh, cared. <laughs> You know, he was like he was acting as though like the press had its knives out for Mason Greenwood, and he was just like, "I've got to do my best to protect him from you in the media." And it's just like, wh- what are you talking about? Like nobody, nobody cares. Like it's like, like the the level of interest in him is that of a, you know, a, a, <laughs> he's a good young English player. Like that's, but that's it. Like it's it. We're not talking about fucking like David Beckham or Joey Barton levels of like you know like media interest here. Yeah. Oh, well, poor Joey, poor poor Joseph Barton. You just cannot catch a break. When uh, are yeah, the, that <sighs> so unlucky. When are these 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 woke woke mob gonna just lay off him? Yeah, once the liberal yeah. media just won't leave him alone. <laughs> Just, just because he keeps the, opening the, the his social mouth. justice left. Yeah, I sure hope. Yeah, he did. just because he, you know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> just uh, you know, yeah, comparing, uh, you know, comparing a football match to the Holocaust. You know, it, who among us? Who among us is not? You know, Your God, Honor, those without sin, Your him. Honor. <laughs> uh, like he's yeah. not just like. Like he's not just like a big dumb idiot. It's that he's like truly just a really, <laughs> he's just a horrible man. Like it's like it's like some people you kind of like not necessarily forgive it, but it's clear that they're just that way because they are just dumb. But like he's dumb and like just like deeply nasty. Like there is there's just a there's just a horrible kind of blackness in his soul that seems to be making him do this stuff. Yeah, it's a weird kind of <sighs> this thing where you're kind of um, yeah, you know, I'll probably get in trouble for saying you know, kind of psychotic. But there's this one well, to like track record on assaulting people. I think yeah, you know, you're you're they're kind of a bit of a, a thug. But there's this tendency to want to present yourself like actually deep down, I'm I'm very cultured. Oh, oh yeah, I listen I listen to the, I listen to Morrissey. Oh. Okay, I like, I like. Oh, uh, yeah, that he was quoting yeah, Nietzsche there is on of, Twitter once, and uh, yeah, yeah, that. Uh, but then he that then is he, a really annoying type of guy. But then his mask slips when he's. There was one time he made transphobic kind of remarks towards Tiago Silva, 
even though Takazu isn't isn't trans, but he was saying like, "Are you are you pre-op or post-op or something? You're something like that, you know." Anyway, oh Jesus, <sighs> that's not even like the, I think like the what's most offensive about that to me is just that it's so hacky. Like it's not even like obviously it's foul and offensive to you know to trans people, but it's also just like. Come on, that's the best you got. Like that's your that's your A material. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, I remember um, stuff. I remember um, there was a program about is John Fashionu's um, daughter because John Fashionu's brother was gay, mm. and uh, I think he did he um yeah killed, he committed suicide was it or was it um I believe so. Yes, yeah. And uh, she made a. I remember she made a program, and she interviewed Joey Barton because apparently Joey Barton said his uncle was gay or whatever, and he's like, you know, oh, it's stuff. It's not important to me. I still love you. I, you're my uncle. I still. But then he, there's. A, I remember a game. I think it was against Liverpool. He was sort of making sort of remarks towards Fernando Torres. You know, sort of you know, grabbing grabbing his nuts and all these sorts of things. It's like, yeah. Anyway, great, cool yeah. guy, cool guy, cool feather, and. Very cool guy. Um, yeah, definitely someone we need to hear more from in the modern game. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ollie. Ollie's finally gone. That ride. That ride has ended. Uh, unfortunately, Ollie is is finally no longer at the wheel. Um, Zinedine Zidane wasted uh, no time ruling himself out of the job. <laughs> um, and then uh, now, uh, basically, we're gonna have to. We're we're just it, unfortunately for the rest of this season. So until you know, until the summer now, we're going to have to hear rumors about how uh, Maurizio Pochettino is going to be the next manager. Um, yeah, because it looks as that he's he's refused to rule himself out, and he was. I mean, he was the original choice before Ole, wasn't he? Like Ole was supposed to be the caretaker manager. I mean, you get just you know an example of how brilliantly run the club is you know that he was he was brought in as the caretaker manager went on such a good run that they gave him the job permanently and then they extended his contract this summer like like barely like what four months ago four five months ago they extended his contract through to 2023 um so i mean god knows how much compensation they had to pay him off with but I mean, there was, there's an article that's currently on the BBC Sport website by, I think it's Phil McNulty, um, kind of talking through like just how, you know, how, what a fucking circus and, a, you know, a parade of sort of clown car bullshit that this whole thing has been as far as Man United are concerned. And I mean, it is, there's just a, a very brutal paragraph that starts, um, let me just see if I can find it. To, yeah, so um, Solskjaer spent £400 million on losing every major semi-final and final United reached under him. Two Europa League semi-finals, an FA Cup semi-final, a League Cup semi-final, and last season's Europa League final when United were overwhelming favourites against Villarreal. I mean, that is... Oof. That yeah. is stark. Uh, Glazers out. That's the problem. You need United fans to go storm their own stadium again. Protest uh, the Glazers. I th- yeah, my <laughs> my Not favorite my favorite type of those guys are the ones the ones that like go to the matches but dress in yellow and green because that was like 
their original colors or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever stupid reason it is. It's like, that's the, that's, that's their history. That's their club history. That's the real Man United. That's how they show that they're real fans. They dress in the fucking Norwich colors to show that they're real Man United fans. Like it's like, I, I mean, maybe there is a subset of Arsenal fans that dress in Clara every match, but I, d- I don't think there is. Yes, the, the Woolwich, the Woolwich, uh, uh, yeah, the faithful. true Woolwich, because that was when we, because there was that one season when we played in, in Clara, it was, it was 2006, because that was like a centenary or whatever, wasn't it? That was like the first, because the first season, Woolwich Arsenal wore Clara rather than red and white. So it was like to mark that. But yeah, it would be like, I, I can't, I'd be so fucking embarrassed if there was like a group of Arsenal fans that were like protesting the Cronkers every week that showed up wearing claret rather than yeah. just like a normal Arsenal shirt. It's, it's so fucking stupid. I would I wouldn't mind that as a third kit though. That would be quite sexy. Like nice nice lovely little <laughs> kit. Yeah, I mean in terms of <laughs> yeah. in terms of a yeah, it'd be pretty pretty sensual. It'd be like a like a tall glass of wine, you does, know. It does take me back. Um, oh that 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 season with the uh, that kit, it's like, oh yeah, those are the days. <laughs> Thierry Henry and yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think but- that was was that the season we beat. Um, I think that was the season that we beat Middlesbrough seven nil, wasn't it? I, I believe because that was like our last our last season at Highbury. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Henry's that would have been Henry's last season, I think, as well, wouldn't it? Just a random off topic question, but. West Ham didn't. How much did they didn't have to pay necessarily for their stadium because that was built by the government for the Olympics, right? So West Ham kind of yeah they cut court, cut they uh, took the sort of shortcut there with not having to build their own stadium, so they haven't had to splash out so much cash. I think it yeah it's <laughs> it's something outrageous. Like I think that because Arsene Wenger was like very like vocally against uh, letting them play there because I think they. They only pay something like I think it's like two million pound a year in rent or something ridiculous. Like they, they pay like a very small amount to like rent that stadium uh, each each year. And it's, it's just of, like you said, of, like yeah, they didn't they didn't have to pay for any of the building costs or anything like that. Like it, it's yeah, it's insane. It's like well, no wonder they're doing so well. It's like they haven't had to splash out on a new stadium. I mean, that's kind of why Tottenham right yeah. now are struggling because Daniel Levy, whoever had to get. Well, I, mean, I think it was a billion was it to build that new stadium for Tottenham. So it's like you can understand why maybe uh, Daniel, like that, yeah. Daniel Levy hasn't been spending loads on players. It's like oh yeah, because they just uh, yeah, that's stadium. why, <laughs> and also because no one wants to play for Tottenham. Um, that's it. <laughs> you could just imagine, yeah, like Daniel Levy, like like Mo in that episode of The Simpsons. That's it. It's the stadium. Even when it was the other, even when it was before, I knew it was the stadium. <laughs> But uh, I, I was trying to, uh, um, I was trying to rationalise me. I, I talk out my arse. Don't know what I'm all about. I'm winging it. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what podcasts are. Yeah, you just you just say stuff, <laughs> and then every now and then, like someone online will find it, and then you get famous because everyone gets mad at you. Well, they, you know, that's just how it how it be. I mean. <laughs> Being on being on Twitter is like that, you know. You make a joke and someone will not understand that it. it's a joke. And oh, you can't quote, say anything these days. Quote tweet. Quote can't, tweet. Can't say anything these days. You know, uh, it's, blooming paragraph. Yeah, like, no, I ain't it, reading it, all that. You know, you oh, because of the 
because of you know cancel culture, you know, and and and, yeah. and woke woke people, it, you can't you can't say anything, you know. I did get someone replying with that, and I wasn't sure whether they were joking, so I didn't respond to it. I didn't even. I was like, are you joking? Or are you? Chances are they probably weren't. <laughs> yeah. Um, was his name yeah, was his get... name Jay Cleese by any chance? No. Nah, at, yeah. at real John Cleese. <laughs> oh God. <clears throat> that would be that would be the day. That's why yeah. I don't tend to make any posts naming famous people because I always wonder are they going to be name searching? Because a lot of them, some of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do. But then, like sometimes it's like uh, I don't know. Like if you <laughs> if you say something nice about the, like you don't don't tag them or, or don't like you know don't snitch oh. tag. I mean that's one of the most that's annoying what some things people when, actually, like someone yeah. tweets. I hate that. Someone tweets about someone without tagging the person in it, and then some dipshit in the replies is like, um, at whoever, you see yeah. this? It's just like, why do they have to see it? Yeah. It's like, someone did that. I made a joke. and then You're they ruining go, two people's day. It's like, dude, shut up. God damn. What's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking reminding the teacher that they haven't given us homework, ass motherfucker. Yeah. Good. Lock you in the <coughs> locker and then dip your head in the toilet. Yeah, push you in a locker and then flush your flush your nuts down the toilet. And yeah, before prom <laughs> or whatever it is the kid. I I don't know. The disco. The school <laughs> disco. What kids do. School disco. The school mate. Do. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, was the yeah in, in terms of football stuff. Um. I mean, you know, Man United, ha ha ha. Ha ha, um, hilarious. Yeah, Chelsea, Liverpool and City, City are kind of running away with it. I mean, Chelsea kind of honestly sort of frightened me most of all at the moment because of how well how well they're doing and they've still got like injuries to key players. Like, they, you know, they're, they're, they're doing as well as they are at the moment, just absolutely demolishing teams. They haven't even got like Lukaku and Kovacic. You know, they've still mm. got to come back from injury. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they they could absolutely just run away with it. I mean, I I still I still reckon City will probably win it um, this season. But yeah, I mean, Chelsea, uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't want to get in their way. Cool boy. No, well, <clears throat> we had the uh, well debut of the um, the return of Lukaku, and uh, yeah, gave gave our centre backs a good uh, good bullying, <laughs> no, just. Knocked them aside like they yeah. weren't even there. But um, that's the problem with Arsenal. Too, too dainty is Arsenal too, too soft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they, uh, they always try and... Here's a funny joke that like every, every nerd that like thinks that they're funny says, because um, they copied it from the, the, that TV show. Uh, the problem with Arsenal is that they try and walk it in. Oh, And that's just like uh, a funny thing that you can say. If, if you don't know anything about football... That's just like a funny thing that you can say. Yeah. Um, but you have to say it like approximately like They're every laugh. 90 seconds or so to make sure. Because not everybody might have heard it. So you have to keep saying it. Did you um, see the if you, ludicrous If you're around display. people that know about football and you don't know anything and, uh, and about football, you, when, have to, you have to keep saying it. When, when the football season's about to start, you put the David Mitchell sketch, David Mitchell and Webb, Sketch on with the watch the football, yeah. Yes, look, look, it might move. Watched, and it's like results it's, a game that uh, is important to someone, presumably. 
okay. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, that's and that's Ooh, like because that's like something that written like because that yeah that uh, that sketch was like that sketch was genuinely funny uh the first yeah. time i saw yeah. it um <laughs> and then by the you know the 800th time that some fucking bitch ass nerd uh shares it or quotes it <laughs> kind of starts to lose its uh its appeal <laughs> like you said it does kind of just come off as like a middle class guy that's sort of like you know just Ooh, you like the football. Ooh, you like the football it's a sports dude. ball happening. I was too busy reading a book and being a closeted homosexual. Or what you know, whatever it is that middle class people do. <laughs> they bloomin' take over my little quiet town and make everything you know, they gentrify everything and they make it too yeah. expensive to live around in. I mean, I'm just basically, that closeted homosexual remark is just, I'm basing that on every every film and TV show I've ever seen about suburbia ever. Um, you know, there's in suburban oh, families, there's a, always like a, you know, dad that that's a, in the closet or whatever. The joke in one of the Fast Show sketches where they're, they're doing all the, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more middle class <laughs> than you, my, me and my wife and her lover and yes. my lover, and we all went on a nice holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm was, I wasn't even gay. allowed to watch ITV growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get me coat. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a very funny sketch where yeah, instead of arguing about who's the most working class, it's yeah, they're all arguing about who's the most middle class. Um. um anyway, yeah, is that is that all the football talk? Um. Well, it's about as much as I I've uh, digested over the weekend, you know, because. It's a bit. It's weird for me when I when this thing the international break it completely ruins it for me. It's like going on some sort of like I go on like holiday, like I go in, I get into something else. Yeah, and it's like oh I gotta go back into football now, and I sort of I gotta catch up with everything. Who's who's playing for who now? What? Who's the manager of what? <laughs> oh, I uh, suppose yeah. The, uh, speaking of the international break, the only other thing I think to mention that yeah, Gareth Southgate has extended his contract uh, to be England manager through to December 2024. So we'll have him for the Qatar World Cup and beyond. Um, I'd say that's yeah, good move. Yeah. I, 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 we're not, I, I doubt we'd get, I don't see us getting anyone better than, no. than him. You know, he's, <laughs> he's been with this squad long enough um, that, you know, that he's definitely, you know, they're definitely his players. You know, it's, it's his squad that he's been building up over the last four years or so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's a a positive move. We're not, uh, yeah, we're not we're not among the contingent that that want to see him out. Um, yeah, there's no point. No I know point that. I mean, that. it's certainly among the Bonerly contingent. There is a there's a, there's a very vocal minority of ex uh, ex borough ex Middlesbrough fat well fan um, that I think still feels <laughs> slighted um, by Gareth Southgate, who uh, who. Wants to see him gone. But, Speaking of you know, Bona League, I've it's coming just, home. I was, I was a uh, top two, but I've dropped down. I haven't. I'm, I'm third. Ah, I was. I was. I was second. Oh, yeah, ah. we're starting to see some. Uh, there's some. There's some gaps opening up, isn't there, in the uh, the Bona League rankings? Um, I got to say, Rafinha not playing for Leeds yesterday really fucked me. That was sort of like he's. Like, because like I mean everybody's got Mo Salah as their captain, haven't they? I mean like, that's that's yeah. obvious. And then like so all trained. the other sort of high scoring players that I've got are like you know a lot of other people have you know like 
you know, Ben Chilwell and everyone's got Ivan Tony as sort of their, like their budget striker option and stuff. But like, yeah, I really needed like Rafinha to play and have a good game. He didn't fucking play. Um, cause I could have, I could have made ground up on you cause you're in, like you said, you're in third, you've dropped out of the top two and then I'm just behind. Well, I say just behind you, you got about a, a what? 20, a 28 point lead on me <laughs> between yeah. third and fourth. I mean, I haven't updated my team since day one. I was like, the same players. It's like, I just know if I start chopping really? and changing, if I stop chopping and changing the team, that that player's going to start doing well. And then I'm like, oh, God, I've got into this palaver of. Oh, it always happens to oh, me. Man, so I was gotta... like, I'll stay. I like to live dangerously. you gotta, you got to change some of these, man. I yeah, mean, like, I'll do Luke it. Shaw. I'll do it eventually. Because I, yeah. I, started, I started the season with Luke Shaw. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean you got to get rid of him, man. Um, like even if even if United have like a new manager bounce, you got to. Yeah. It, there's so many better options now. The, Either Reese James or Ben yeah. Chilwell. I I'm mean, gonna, you know, I've got Chilwell. So, but um, it's because I, you know, forget to keep swapping players off the bench. So I've got Chilwell. Don't worry, about it. I've got Chilwell. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's my midfield. I'm just like I don't want to keep. I want to keep Sushek, well, but. I just know if I skate with a Sushek, he'll he'll score three goals. Yeah, keep Sushek. I mean, you know, West Ham fans, you know, West Ham players rather, you know, I'd say probably worth keeping. I Buendia, I wouldn't hang on to. I I would, I would wait until if he starts getting points, then put him back in. But he's sort of he's not uh, flop signing there. (laughs) This so far. Really yeah, remember how pissed off we were. Can you remember how pissed off we were that we didn't get to him first? Yeah. Dodge that Man. one. <laughs> Seems like a million years ago. Let's um, let, yeah, let's do a quick rundown then of of the Bona League rankings as as we mention it. Um, so in tenth, propping up the league, we've got a uh, former former guest of the show, uh, Jason Manning, um, with uh, his team, <laughs> Help Me Step Broja, which is uh, uh, you know, that's a fun fun little uh, I assume uh, porno based pun um uh, there, uh. Number nine. Um, so yeah, Jason's got three hundred and seventy-two points um, in in tenth. He is well adrift. I think he's sort of he's the Norwich currently. I would say of the uh, well, actually Norwich aren't they're not at, at the bottom anymore, are they? They're, I think it's Newcastle that are like at the bottom. But um, anyway, you know what I mean. Um, Jason's got some work to do if he wants to to sort of get back uh, out of the relegation place there. Um, Number nine, we got uh, Simon Atkins uh, with Tuesday Wednesday. It's his team name. <laughs> Clever. Uh, he's got 424 points. Um, jumping, <laughs> there is a bit of a jump in points between uh, ninth and eighth. In eighth place, uh, we got James Foster flying without Ings, uh, but he's got 533 points. So there's a, yeah more than a hundred point gap there between him and Simon. Um, so James has dropped down to eighth, moving up into seventh. We got, uh, our friend Martin Higgins, um, with the undraftables and he's on, uh, 549 points. We're just going to take a look at Martin's team because Martin, uh, Martin famously didn't realize you could make transfers in, in <laughs> fantasy football until about two seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. He, he picked a team at the start of the season and then didn't realize that until like that you could make transfers like during the season. Um, mm. so 
But yeah, he had a pretty good week, 53 points this week. You know, he's got uh, Chilwell and, uh, and and James um, for, for Chelsea. And he's, <clears> oh, he's, actually, his defence did very well. He's got Cancelo, uh, Chilwell, and Reese James. In Unfortunately, he's got Aaron Wan-Bissaka as well. But This world of Cancelo culture. <laughs> hey, sorry, listen. <laughs> Cancelo culture would be a pretty good team name. Ah, um, ah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Uh, and then above Martin in, in sixth, we're on 620 points. Uh, we got uh, Tariq with Millhouse United. Um, he had a very good week, 73 points. So let's just take a look, see who he's got in there. Obviously, Captain Salah. Uh, he's got, oh, yeah, Alanson Maximan. It's a good week to have him. Tyrone Mings. I mean, that's, man, he got 15 points this week because he got that late goal in Villa's game. So. Yeah, the clean sheet plus the goal plus the bonus points means that, yeah, Tyrone absolutely cleaned up. Um, and then uh, in fifth, um, we got uh, Dr. James Brown with uh, his team, James Brown, uh, on 634 points. Um, so then, yeah, there's a bit of a gap between between uh, James Brown and then myself. Uh, I'm on, yeah, 670 points. With my team, Goop on your Grinch. Um, yeah, I had a, 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 it was a pretty good week, but like I said, all of my big scoring players are ones that other people have, I think. Um, and then in third place, we got uh, the worst team ever, which is your team, Lawrence. I was tr- really um, trying 698 to... 698 points. Really trying to, like, do um, verse psychology, you know. Hopefully I was, you know, go to be... Say if I say I got the I mean, worst team ever... Uh, I do really well, but uh, yeah, it seems to be working. Yeah, I mean, it, at the moment it's working. It's it's false advertising. <laughs> um, and then up in second, we got uh, we got uh, Gary uh, Gary Hill, former uh, repeat guest. Gary's been on a couple of episodes um, with uh, Click and Collect. Click is in K L I C H, like the Leeds player. Uh, he's got seven hundred and eleven points. Um, so another very Another very strong season from Gary already. And then way out in front at the top of the league, um, we got um, our friend uh, Dave Bird Hawkins uh, from the band Beartown Zodiac, um, who uh, we used to uh, play gigs with um, back in the day when, when Lawrence and, and I were, were playing in bands and stuff. Um, he's way, way out in front at 837 points with his team, Aladdin Sane. Uh, which is a, a fun little David Bowie pun. Um, but yeah, he's, I think Dave, uh, he played his triple captain chip in the first week. So like he, like we'll see over the course of the season, if anybody does catch him, but obviously he flew out of the gates there with, with a lot of points and he's still, you know, well, you know, we're coming up to the, like the busy Christmas period and he's still, He's got a, a very healthy lead <laughs> at the top of the table there. It'd be interesting to see if anybody can catch him. I mean, Gary's the only one that's, I would say, close. But like I said, it's Gary's got 711 points. Dave's got 837. So, hmm. Mm. Dave might have already won it. But uh, yeah, congratulations to uh, to Dave if he does end up being the eventual winner of, of Bona League. That was our Bona League update. Um, I think we should take a brief break and then we'll be back with with more content. We're going to do a, uh, a feature which we haven't done for a little while. Um, we're going to do a, uh, one of my movie recaps. So isn't that exciting? 
don't go anywhere because otherwise you'll you'll miss the movie <clears throat> recap that I'm about to do. Okay, so just just you know don't go any just you know don't don't go too far. You're gonna hear a bit of music and then we'll be back. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, stay, right. okay. St- stay, stay. Uh, uh. Yeah. All right. Be right back. <clears throat> hang on a sec. Let me just. Uh... And we're back. Ooh. Oh. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Let's just... Maybe we're back. Just... Well, I'm back anyway. I'll just vamp while Lawrence uh, Put that in there. fucks about. Um, and then. Uh... It's. Uh... Just, just. Lawrence is, as you might have guessed, uh, listeners. Lawrence is having sex. Yeah, I'm having sex. Uh, sorry, sorry, darling. Just got to put that in sorry, there. Darlings. Climbing mm. <laughs> over the top of one. Oh, sorry. Oh. Yeah. The the they being the multiple flashlights that uh, yes. Lawrence uses. Multiple um, blow up dolls I got for me with me Amazon voucher. Yeah. But it was yeah, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta spice it up. Um, so yeah, we're we're back, and um, like I said before the break, we haven't done one of these uh, for uh, for a little while. Um, so I thought it'd be uh, fun to to bring it back. Um, we're gonna review. Uh, well, I, I said we're gonna review. We're gonna recap uh, in, in in Ollie's movie recap. Um, Shang Shang Shingy and the Ten Rings, uh, the Marvel film uh, that uh, came out in cinemas earlier this year. It's now available on streaming. I think on, on Disney Plus you can stream it, uh, you know, without having to pay the uh, the extra thing. So this is, I think, unlike other the other films that we've sort of done in this segment are fairly old um, and have been out for a long time, whereas this one is obviously a lot newer. So if you uh, genuinely don't want uh, Shingy and the Ten Rings uh, spoiled for you. Um, skip ahead like a couple of minutes, probably. Um, but I mean, come Isn't on, it's a Marvel a, uh, film. You can probably guess. Sounds like something uh, Tolkien would write. Shingy and the Ten Rings. So, With it, yeah, I mean, he was more of like a one ring to rule them all kind of guy. You know, yeah. I think ten for him, ten would be too many. It'd be overkill. In many ways, it's sort of symptomatic of what you know what Marvel have been doing. They've sort of been upping the stakes, you know, to the point ways, where it's, it's just unrelatable. Frankly, it's too many it's, rings. It's a plot hole in Lord of the Rings. Why didn't they just make a backup one in case they, they went wrong? Yeah. Anyway, plot hole. No. Yeah, that is <laughs> that's that's my one of my favorite like type of uh, type of online guy is like guys that like think they found plot holes and stuff when it's just. It, they're just too stupid to have understood the plot. You know, it's like, uh, this supporting character said to the main character in an early scene in the film, I will never betray you. But later on in the but film, he they betray him. them? Plot hole. The thing is, plot hole. Like, people would say, oh, why didn't they just use the big eagles in Lord of the Rings? But it's like, but then Sauron would have seen and he would have got the... But the anyway... Nerd. I'm a, yeah, I, yeah. There's I'm always nervous. some kind of bitch ass nerd reason for you know why they have to do they, the stupid shit yeah. they do. Um, so it, it's yeah. I have Sauron would have seen and um, they would have sent the big dragon anyway. 
Yeah, he'd have just like st- like it would have been like a big like uh, like Terry Gilliam foot would have just stomped on yeah. Frodo and all of his friends. Just- <laughs> 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 yeah. That would be that would have been a much better movie. <laughs> Before the big battle, they should have all like, been arrested of, by like, the police and shit. Yeah, <laughs> like Helm's Deep. Yeah, the Battle of Helm's Deep never happens because the police just show up. Shove it, get off the, the back same of piece a van. Of music that plays for like ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had trouble anyway. with you before. Yeah, so we're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. Anyway. If you if you don't want uh, Shingi and the Ten Rings uh, spoiled for you. Um, like I said, skip ahead maybe a few minutes. Lawrence, have you seen have you seen this this film? No, I haven't. I haven't seen I haven't seen this film. <clears throat> All right. But you are a uh, you're you're a Marvel guy. You've seen you've seen a lot of oh, the yeah, Marvel I've seen, films. Yeah, I've seen um, Black Panther. I've seen uh, the Thanos one, and I've seen the Civil Civil is this Civil War? Is it the Captain America one? Yeah, yeah, Iron um, uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Phil, Iron, Iron Man Three, Iron Man Two, Iron Man One. Uh, okay, so it's good. you've seen okay, so because Iron Man Three actually connects Avengers directly Assemble. to this to this film in uh, yeah, and um, so yeah, okay, so so the film starts. We it, it's this is Marvel's um, this is the first biopic from what I can see that Marvel are doing. It's like I said, it's. Shingy and the Ten Rings. Shingy, um, if you're not familiar, he is a well. His real name's David Shing. He's an Australian marketing executive. Um, I urge you, listeners, if you are listening to this on your phone or you're near a computer, just Google Shingy. S H I N G Y. He is a real guy. He's a real person. Um, he is a self-proclaimed digital prophet. Um, which I think is like a fancy word for just like a big grifter. Um, he somehow managed to con his way into various jobs at AOL for well over a decade. Um, but yeah, this this guy, Shingy, he's like, like I said, he's a digital prophet. He likes just sort of talking about like, um, you know, like synergy and uh, the international superhighway, you know, just kind of, jargon and buzzwords and, and shit um, but the best thing about him is is the way he looks i cannot prepare you for how this man looks like i said just google shingy or david shing um and uh just prepare yourself for a nice little surprise about uh, about this guy's appearance based on what i've what i've just told you that he is you know he's like a an executive for aol for for 12 years um so yeah this is this is the story this is the backstory of shingy um, so the movie starts and we see uh, Shingy's dad uh, a thousand years ago in China, uh, and he's uh, his dad's evil. His 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 dad is um, he's just you know he just wants uh, power, and he's got uh, ten rings on his arms, the titular ten rings, um, and those ten rings they sh- like they shoot out Emperor Palpatine lightning. Um, so you know that he's like very strong and powerful. He wears these rings. Not they're not they're not like rings that you wear on your finger. They're like bracelets. So he's got like five on each uh, each arm. So he's got like these sort of these weird kind of chunky kind of nineteen eighties style metal bracelets that go down each of his arms. Uh, and then rather confusingly, he's also got an army that are also called the Ten Rings. Um, so he has like ten actual rings, 
Um, and then he's got the Ten Rings, which is like the name of his army of like cool ninja guys. Um, so he, 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 you know, like I said, he's obsessed with power. He, he conquers everything. He's trying to find this uh, secret village that's hidden in a forest. Uh, and the reason that it's hidden in a forest is that it, the, the forest hides the village in like this moving maze. Like you go down one path in the forest and then suddenly the path closes. And you get like eaten by the forest. So while he's trying to find this village, um, he, you know, he's, he's in a car with a bunch of other guys on this expedition to try and find this, this hidden village. Um, the car drives off a cliff in a horrible accident and everybody else in the car dies. Um, but, but Shingy's dad is okay. He jumps out of the car at the last second. Um, and just doesn't like, he doesn't even like try and look for the guys that died. Um, you know, that crashed, crashed the car off the cliff. Just, you know, they're gone. The film doesn't care about them either. So it's fine. You don't, you don't have to feel bad, but I just thought that was, uh, that was funny. Um, he finds this, uh, this clearing where he meets Shingy's mum. And they have like a flirty fight because she's got like powers as well. He's got his powers with his rings and she has like powers of the forest. You know, she can do that. Th- the thing where like she can make like a like a big swirl of leaves, you know, appear around her and shit like that. Um, so they they have their flirty little fight. They eventually get married. We see them later on with uh, Shingy as a baby and Shingy's sister can't remember the name of Shingy's sister. I think I've got it written down here as Julie, but I don't think that's right. It doesn't sound very Chinese, but uh, but anyway, yeah, Shingy and, and, and Julie. And then we cut hard to present day San Francisco. Um, and we see that Shingy uh, is now an incredibly buff loser. Um, we are supposed to buy that he is like a, you know, he's like a loser, but he's also fucking cut. You know, he's like a- He's just like know, me. He's, he's, so like he lives in like a Exactly. He's just like he's just like you or I. He sleeps in what appears to be a a, a garage. Um, that's really not expanded upon at all. Um, but uh, yeah, he works and he works with his his best friend Aquafina um, in San Francisco. Um, and then while him and Aquafina are on their way to to work, um, some guys try and steal a magic amulet that Shingy has, and so they they do the the bus fight sequence from uh, Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk film that uh, came out a while ago. Um, they just do that, but with like some extra CGI. Um, so Shingi goes back to China to find his sister to warn her that their dad is evil again. Because for a bit he wasn't even when he got married to their mum he wasn't evil, um, but then their mum died and he I, I guess he's evil again now. Um, his sister Julie is mad at aband- mad at Shingy abandoning her with their dad to go to America. So they have to have a fight, and uh, they have a fight, and she she wins it. Um. Then, uh, yeah. So they have their f- they they have their fight, and then immediately after that, uh, Shingy's dad and all of his goons from the Ten Rings show up, and he takes them all back to China. So he takes uh, Shingy, Julie, and Aquafina back to China with him. And there he explains that their mother isn't actually dead and that he's going to rescue her from behind a magic gate. Uh, unsurprisingly, Shingy and Julie don't believe him. Uh, so he throws them and Aquafina into a dungeon. Um, so, uh, you know, that's looks like it's pretty much game over, right? There's no way they're going to get out of this dungeon. Until uh, they meet Ben Kingsley from Iron Man 3, uh, who is residing in a, in a nearby uh, part of the dungeon. 
Um, and so this sort of basically ruins what was a perfectly good throwaway joke from Iron Man 3, uh, where the whole movie is sort of set up that Ben Kingsley is playing, you know, a, a terrorist character called the Mandarin. And then when, uh, you know, when Tony Stark and uh, Rhodey find him, it turns out that Ben Kingsley's character is just an actor that's been hired to pretend to be this he's guy. Been, while he's been the real hired by uh, carries on Tony from Neighbours. He's been dying. Yes, I don't think Guy Pierce was Tony from Neighbours, was he? I don't. I don't. No, I, I, he was in Neighbours. So it was the only character I remember. Uh, Lou, Lou, and Harold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Harold. Yeah, I remember Harold. What a shit. Um. Yeah. So. So yeah, they sort of basically ruin that. Uh, that. That joke from that by turning. You know this sort of this sort of brief cameo from Iron Man 3 that was a perfectly good joke into like an actual, he's like an actual full-fledged uh, supporting character in this movie. You know, like he's, he's Trevor, the actor from Liverpool and they give him a backstory and he helps them. And he's like, it, it, yeah. So that fucking sucks. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's been imprisoned uh, in uh, in a nearby dungeon um, near to the the other dungeon where the other guys were, uh, and there's a there's like a Pokemon in there with him for some reason. Um, there's like a little little creature, like a Pokemon that's that's in there uh, that only Ben Kingsley can understand. But the little creature comes from the magic village in the uh, forest that that Shingy's mum comes from. And it knows the way. It knows the way to get out of, uh, to get to the the village in the in the forest. So, um, he guides them there after they after they escape from the dungeon. Um, they reach the uh, the village and they see a lot more Pokemon. There's a lot more kind of you know crazy looking uh, animals and creatures and and what have you. Um, and then they meet uh, they meet everybody in the village, including. Uh, including Shingy's auntie, uh, who was uh, Shingy's mum's sister. Um, so she very helpfully, Shingy's aunt then very helpfully explains the rest of the plot uh, to everybody, um, which is which is nice of her. Um, Shingy's dad shows up the following day with his army to destroy the village and open the magical gate that the village is is guarding because he thinks his wife is is back there but actually the gate is there to prevent a uh, i don't know if you could have maybe guessed that this was coming but his wife isn't behind that big magical gate the magical gate is actually there to stop a big dragon from escaping oh, and eating God. everybody's soul oh, uh, oh yeah what an idiot fucking unbelievable i know what an asshole so obviously he opens the gate uh, and the dragon along with a, it's uh, it, it's like a big dragon. It's got like a bunch of little jellyfish that, that fly around with it. Uh, mm. They all start to eat everybody's soul. Um, things look pretty bad, um, especially for Shingy. He gets knocked into a big lake by his dad um, and it looks like that's pretty much game over for Shingy. But while he's under the water, he finds a big dragon, uh, like another dragon. So he rides it to the surface, um, and then the dragon, uh, the, the dragons fight. The dragon from the water and the dragon from the gate uh, both uh, both die. Uh, no, sorry, they both fight. Shingy's dad then dies uh, from the big fight, but he makes sure to give the ten rings. That's the the bracelets, not the army. He gives the bracelets to Shingy. Um, 
Shingy, Julie, Aquafina, and the Water Dragon all kill the Bad Dragon. And uh, the Bad Dragon basically explodes, and its meat just rains down over the entire village. So it means that nobody's ever going to go hungry again. Yeah. They just just cover that in salt, you know, keep it nice and Yeah, man, you get a nice little kebab going. Yeah. Great. Skewer that shit, marinate it. Get some piri-piri. Get some... uh, Hey, you throw that in a pot with some veggies, some potatoes, some, you've got a stew some, going. Get some nachos and some guacamole. Uh, yeah, some dragon guac. Um, some beans. So yeah, the, beans. with the dragon defeated, uh, they go they go back to San Francisco and uh, Wong from Doctor Strange. Have you seen Doctor Strange? Was that one of the Marvel films you've I, seen? I have not seen that one. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, Wong's one of the other one of the other very few Asian characters <laughs> in the MCU. So obviously he shows up in this film. Um and uh, he shows up to the bar where Shingy and Aquafina are hanging out with their their boring friends and he takes them back to Doctor Strange's house. And then they talk on Zoom to uh Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel, which is nice. Good, good. good. And then the film ends and then there's a Couple of post-credit bits, but I won't spoil does, them. But that's does, basically Shingy and have, the thing. Does it have like just Sweden-y, quick-witted, quirky dialogue where everyone's like, "Uh, guess we're doing this now." Uh, yeah, there is. I would, to its credit, there's not as much of that as there is in some Marvel films. It's no, it's no Guardians of the Galaxy in that regard. Um, there is. There is a running joke about Aquafina um, uh, singing Hotel California to confuse people in 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 combat. Like she, like the, you know, there was like they tell a story about some guys that were going to beat up Shingy, and like she suddenly appeared out of nowhere and started singing Hotel California, and like the people that were going to beat up Shingy were so confused that they just walked away, and she's like, ah, it's it's the art of confusion. So there's like. Obviously, a couple of scenes later on where, you know, she's fighting some bad guys or whatever, and she starts singing Hotel California. The, the um, Eagles were okay with this. They didn't, they didn't try to claim copyright. They didn't try to, like, you know, shut that movie down. Playing our song. It's, I think it, it, it's, it, I assume they licensed it because in the, in the post-credit sequence with, uh, with Wong, they end up going to a karaoke bar and they're all singing Hotel California together. So the Eagles must have licensed the actual song well, um i mean it's good, disney though. so you know they can pay they can <laughs> so, pay whatever they you know the, they'll pay the eagles, the eagles to shut up for 10 million dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoa ladies and gentlemen we've been joined by bill maher yeah <laughs> start the clock <laughs> uh, oh, great <laughs> new yeah. rule Shut up, the Eagles. <laughs> you can check out and leave. Um, yep. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the kind of snappy Whedon-esque dialogue that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, there is, I, I would say, you know, compared to a lot of Marvel films, there is, it, it, it I mean, it is, it's very CGI heavy in, in scenes where it doesn't need to be CGI heavy as well, which seems to be a thing that Marvel just do now. Like scenes that are just set in like a building, like a normal building, uh, 
have to like you can tell that it's just a green screen for some reason. I don't know why they do that. They have the money; they could just build a set. Um, but yeah, there is. I mean, for for a, for a giant franchise film that has so much CGI, I will say that a lot of the kind of cool, like the action set pieces um, are kind of nicely choreographed, like hand to hand fight scenes. There is a lot of like actual in camera kind of proper fight choreography that's filmed and like done very well um which is neat to see in in like a like i said such a big cgi heavy blockbuster it's it's neat to have something that you can actually like you know you can actually kind of see that like some effort went into it and was you know that it's it's genuinely impressive that like because i mean because what's his name Shingy's dad is uh, Tony Lung, the uh, the legendary Hong Kong actor, the Hong Kong cinema actor, um, and so it yeah it, it sort of it makes good use of the fact that you know there is there's obviously like a big martial arts background to this story and like a, you know a history there within the within the culture that it's referencing, uh, and I'll say yeah it doesn't it doesn't fuck that up. Um, it does a pretty good job with all the sort of hand to hand fighting stuff. That's all very uh, kind of cool to watch, um, but yeah, it is. I mean, it is ultimately a Marvel film. It's not above the kind of, like I said, the the sort of over CGIification of stuff, um, the and the fact that we are <laughs> the yassification, <laughs> um, and the fact that we, you know, we now have to have like uh, just like like <sighs> things can't just like happen in movies anymore they they need to have like a there needs to be like an origin and an explanation and we need to get regular updates on this so hence we've got fucking you know ben kingsley's character from iron man 3 being like a full-fledged like supporting character in this film you know and we get you know thank god we get to spend time with this character and find out why you know what makes him tick and what he why he does what he does um but yeah. Anyway, that's that's Shingy in the Ten Rings. Do you have any other questions about it? Uh, uh, uh I wouldn't want to spoil it for myself, so I have to check it out. Sounds sounds um sounds uh what's 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 the word? Uh but it sounds sounds like fun, you know, it sounds like fun. I'll check it I'll try to check it out if I can some point somewhere. I don't know. Uh It is yeah, it's it's like I said, as far as these Marvel films go, I mean, it definitely it it. I haven't seen Eternals, but it's it sounds as though it's a lot better than Eternals. I mean, there's you know, like I said, I actually quite enjoyed um, you know several sections of of this film, whereas Eternals just, I mean, from what I've seen of it, it looks fucking boring as fuck, and the reviews seem to uh, bear that out. I'm amazed um, that people I mean, still I don't have. Know- a- it feels like after all the Thanos movies that uh, it, it would be done with the uh, the whole big blockbuster Marvel films. Well, I think I think that's yeah, that's sort of one of the complaints is that it's like the stakes, the stakes of the fucking thing. Like it's difficult to really care after you have the movie where like the bad guy wins, half of life gets extinct. And then the following film to that, like the first half of the the film that follows that, like, is just is just that world. Like, you know, it, it treats that seriously. It doesn't immediately undo all of that. It's like, well, shit, this is what it would be like to have to live after all of that happened. Like it, 
it, it's difficult to yeah really fucking give much of a shit after all of that. So I think that is. I, I know now they're obviously introducing all of these like you know uh, the sort of alternate realities and the split timelines and stuff. So we're going to get a lot of that in mm. the new Spider-Man. Um, Joe Spider-Man. I was considering doing a, a Spider-Man quiz today, but we I, we don't we don't have time. We'll probably do that in the next episode because everybody's everybody's talking about Spider-Man. The new new trailer came out, and all your old favorites are back from the two thousands. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I think I remember <laughs> um, back in the day when my brother got. Um, one of these new fancy phones at the mid two thousands, where it was sort of, I don't know, you'd have you won't be able to see this, but Ollie would be able to see. You have a phone, and it would, the screen would flip at, sort of at an angle, and you'd have like a little keyboard sort of thing. But yeah, on the phone, it had oh, Spider Man yeah, free. You could watch Spider Man free on on a phone. <laughs> Man, that sucks so bad. Yeah, I remember those phones. Those were the days. Uh, yeah, I tried to really sell the idea of watching a movie on a tiny little screen oh man such a such an experience and uh yeah 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 just as the filmmakers intended um i want this film to be seen on a tiny little yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah you I, I demand that this film be seen on a screen the size of a postage stamp that's what scorsese wanted that's what he sits there <laughs> Yeah, that's how I watched The Irishman. I, I plugged in my uh, my N-Gage. I dusted off my Nokia N-Gage and uh, streamed The Irishman on it. Yeah. That's, that's, how mo- that's the future of movies. Watch it on your phone. And there was one kid in my school that had like a Nokia N-Gage, and you better believe he acted like it was the coolest thing ever, and everybody else was like, this shit sucks. It's like... It's a phone, but it's also like a game. You know, it's a phone you can play games on, and it's like really the reality was it's just like it's not as good as a normal phone, and it's not as good as a games console. It's just like a worse version of both of those things. Like even like a handheld console, like you know, it's like a worse version of the Game Boy Advance or whatever. I remember those missed those days of going into phone shops and looking at all the all those cool hip phones that we all thought were just just the bee's knees and nowadays it's all just it's all just terrific it's all they look like blooming the um 2001 space odyssey all those big monolith things they just they all look like that it's just featureless yeah anyway. although i gotta say i got i got quite a big phone and i do i mean it's nice to I have bet. like a big screen on it you know, I, have, it's, I, I have a very yeah, tiny phone watch videos and stuff <laughs> I, have, I have a very tiny phone you know yeah. I'm just, well you have to make do what does that say about the two of us yeah yeah <laughs> um there's a there's a joke in the uh the new <laughs> the latest season of what we do in the shadows where matt barry's character um says uh, they're they're talking about something he's like that's just an urban myth like ghosts or big penises <laughs> mm, yeah it's very true very true um, yeah. Anyway, let's do some uh, cultural appropriation, shall we? Yeah, we've been yakking and hemming and a hawing for for quite a while on this show. We've gone. Uh, yeah, we've gone. Yeah, quite yeah. a. It's been a packed, a packed two hours. episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So let's uh, let's do some cultural appropriation where we uh, move away from from football and and that where we talk about things that you, the listener, may enjoy that we can recommend to you. Um, Lawrence, do you have anything prepared, or do you want me to uh, go first? I'll, I'll I'll go first. I'll just keep it to one because uh, it's very very rushed. Um, I was watching this thing on BBC Four, but it's um, if you know of um, Dennis Pop and um, Max Martin, these no. record producers of um, well, all, all literally oh. every single pop song of the nineties. The Swedish and, guys, yeah. yeah, the two Swedish guys. Every single song ever made in the nineties and two yeah. thousands was basically recorded by these two and a couple of other guys they have in their studio. Yeah, it's, I, there was a there was a a, a there was a Netflix uh, series uh, called This Is Pop, where each episode was like a different half hour documentary about like a different thing in pop music. So there was one about like country music. There was one about festivals, but there was one about like how exactly about this, about like Max Martin and like, all, like basically all of pop music over the last like 35 years is, it is made by the same like yeah. dozen Swedish guys. Like it's, it's all the same writers and producers that are responsible for like the biggest hits of like Britney Spears and sync, the Backstreet Boys, yep. Katy Perry, uh, the weekend, Taylor Swift, uh, yeah. you know, like Ace of Base, fucking like you know, going as far back as like Ace of Base and stuff in like the the late eighties, nineties. Like it, it's yeah, yeah. So it's just a little um, documentary I watched on BBC Four. It's just called Flat Pack Pop. Um, yeah, yeah. If, you've, if you've got iPlayer, I don't know. Some uh, overseas listeners may not be able to access it, but I think it's on YouTube. So just put flat pack pop in, and also just uh, you know, it's it's interesting because the music itself I'm not particularly it was not really my thing, it, especially at the time. I was like, no, oh, fuck that music. I will listen to like uh, you know, Limp Bizkit, Lincoln Park, and Nirvana, and Metallica, man. You know? <laughs> Real music. And uh, yeah, so in many ways I'm not not really, but it's just an interesting thing to look at to learn about, especially. Um, how everything from your childhood was just well, think, created yeah, by like I said, it, it's, two guys it's, in it's, Sweden. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. That's what makes it interesting. Like finding out that like how far this thing goes, like how deep this thing is, where it's just like, like I it, again, like cannot stress this enough. All of pop music, basically, like all of the biggest pop songs from the last sort of thirty years or so, you can trace it back to like there's yeah there's maybe like less than a dozen of these guys in Sweden that are all writing, recording and producing it all. Like it, it's nuts. And they've just got this tiny little studio. Like it's, yeah. it's a fucking, like it's the size of like a little tiny, like bunker. Um, and yeah, they just, yeah, that's where they, that's where they made it all. Like that's where like all of the big boy band and like, you know, like girl group stuff from the nineties and, a lot of like dance music and like it, yeah, it, it just all comes from like this, this one group of Swedish people. I wouldn't be surprised if they were Daft Punk on the side, you know, it's like sort of a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like in, in that, um, in that, this is pop uh, documentary. Like they talked to, because uh, it like I don't think he's directly connected to those guys, but like Ludwig Göransson, um, the guy that like does all of the music and the beats for Childish Gambino, 
um he's he's swedish they they yeah they they talk to him and it's just like yeah like seeing like because again i think he's like he does like the childish gambina stuff he's also like a composer for like tv and film like he did all of the uh he did all of the score for the black panther movie that we were talking about uh earlier and he did all the music for uh the tv show community if anyone's ever watched that um which is a, a very funny uh show uh, that Dan Harmon made before he met before he before he struck it big with uh, with with Ricky Morty, um, he made a yeah a TV show called Community that Ludwig Göransson did all the all the music for. But but yeah, there's just something about something about those Swedes, man. There's yeah. something in the water. It's that it's that uh, um, Viking instinct to just you know they've got this ability about them. I don't know. just take over, just take over, just colonize everything. They they somehow managed to absorb. And then yep. send it, give it back to you as if it was oh oh this is new, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it's interesting you know yeah uh, like, someone like, like their myself someone yeah uh, someone like myself who I yeah, I'm kind of a not so much a frustrated musician I'm a frustrated record make producer I sit in my room with my MacBook and Garage Band trying to record stuff you know I'm, I'm a frustrated record producer of anything so it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting for me because people like Max Martin. It's like, man, he's he's shaping all of the work, like world the pop music. It's like, oh, man, I, I could have been me. I could have been like the guy behind the scenes pulling all the strings. I'm, the, yeah, you're. The, a, I'm the Wizard of Oz. You're a regular. It? Uh, it's the Wizard of Oz. I'm pulling. All, I'm the all the all the bands. They're all me. <laughs> yeah, it could have been me. You're a regular Kanye West. You, yeah, yeah, you're just. Hold up in your room doing five beats a day for three summers. <laughs> I'm obsessing over just the, you know, obsessing over the delay settings and the reverb settings and the compression settings. It's just, just make a song. Just make a song. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, it's interesting. It is, yeah. It's it's. What's the, sorry, the name of that documentary again was Flat Pack Flat, Pop. Did you say Flat Pack Pop? That's uh yeah. That sounds that's definitely sounds worth uh, checking out if you're interested in uh music as a concept which I for one <laughs> I love music. Can't get enough of this stuff. It based my whole personality on music, you know, just <laughs> I'm like obsessed. I'm like low key obsessed with music. I'm I'm high key, low key. Low key. Anyway. Marvel, low key. Speaking of Marvel, I'm Loki obsessed. Um, Thor. Actually, Swedish. yeah. Speaking of music, I, my recommendation. I, th- was he Swedish I think or I'll. Uh, uh, I think Wasn't it's it? Norse. So yeah, it'd be yeah, Norwegian, Scandinavia. You know, it's all. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're all you know, blonde hair, blue eyed. You know. Anyway. Oh, just um, extremely good looking and beautiful and. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, just yeah, yeah, just genetically superior. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'll recommend uh, I'll recommend some music based on uh, based on that. Um, I think I'll I'll just recommend one thing this week as well because uh, we have uh, chatted quite a lot of shit. Um, there's a uh, last month, I believe it came out. Uh, there's a, a new record by Parquet Courts uh called sympathy for life 
which I've uh, gotten around to, to listening to. And well, I say gotten around listening. To it. I, I've started listening to it, and I haven't really stopped listening to it. It's um, it's it's great. I I really enjoyed their their last album, uh, Wide Awake, which I, I believe I recommended on a previous episode. Uh, if you go that far back, but uh, yeah, this this new album, Sympathy for Life, uh, really great. It was as most uh, things were. It was delayed by the uh, the the pandemic. Um, so I think it you know it was supposed to have come out probably last year but um yeah it's 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 great it's it's very dancey um it, you know they they sort of i think they're known for kind of a, a certain kind of post-punk intensity um parquet courts are with sort of quite sort of cerebral kind of lyrics but um yeah this this has got like a real kind of um kind of primal screen well i'd say primal screen but specifically kind of scream delica like andrew weatherall type vibe to it where they're they're kind of you know they're they're messing around with some you know extended kind of dancey sections. You know there's there's quite a few um, quite a few synths and drum machines in there, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of kind of fun groovy bass lines, a lot of some some slap bass even, um, which I feel can kind of go either way. Sometimes it's quite cringy, uh, but other times you know when it's deployed properly, oh boy, ain't nothing like it. But um, yeah, sympathy for life is the uh, the new uh, Parquet Courts record. Um, check that out uh, if you are so inclined. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this week's episode of Junior Funners, uh, please do get in touch. You can tweet at us. We're at Junior Funners on Twitter. You can email us, juniorfunners at gmail.com with any comments or questions you may have. Um, Lawrence and I are also on Twitter independently of uh, of the podcast. I'm at Crispy Willis. Lawrence is at IB Online. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? Well, I just think I just realized I said two Swedish guys from Sweden. I was like, oh, you idiot. You anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. You what idiot. a dickhead. Could have st- what are that? I can see the comments now. They're gonna, they're gonna take that out of context. I was a, f- I was a faithful subscriber until Lawrence <laughs> dropped the ball. Yeah, if I was, you know. All right, bye-bye. bye bye, bye.